Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Tumbling Saber Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Murray. I'm Nathan. Welcome back everybody. It's been a week. We got news. We got some news. Holy news. cow. <laughs> wow, man. It's been a heavy week for Star Wars fans for a change. We, we were in a bit of a drought. We were scrambling. What are we going to talk about? Not this week, friends. Not this week. We have a very, very busy show. Uh, man, but first, let's just catch up a little bit. Let's talk to the queen of Dragon Con Trivia. Marie, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? How is the tiara, the crown on your head? How are you doing? Da, 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 da. I'm great. I feel so proud of myself i got my certificate in the mail yesterday and it looks beautiful and i can't wait to add it to my star wars trivia certificate wall um wait, you have a you have a certificate wait hold on hold on just a second here <laughs> this is a revelation star wars is about reveals you have a wall with these certificates yes. on it yes oh so i've got three dragon con finalist certificates one certificate from KamiCon, uh, where I won um, in a giant room full of people. Um, it was a contest run by the 501st, so that was really exciting. Um, so I've got those four certificates, and then I'm going to add the winner Dragon Con certificate, and I'm going to frame my winning answer with the flashcard that goes with it just because that's fun <laughs> and your new favorite clone is goji <laughs> of course so i was i was watching that i think nathan was watching too and of course we're rooting mm -hmm. for you watching and then that final question comes up and it was weird because it didn't seem to have any like i didn't know how this thing was run so i didn't know how the round goes and then suddenly the host yeah. was like yeah this is gonna be the last question so if marie gets it it's over I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he asked. It, it was a little chaotic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's, all right. This, like, talk about pressure ratcheted up to 11 right then and there. So, Maria, if you get this question right, you win. Like, how did that hit you? Did you know that that was going to be the case? Um, I mean, no, I, it was really exciting though, because when he asked that question, I immediately knew the answer. Like I didn't even have to think about it. And I looked at the video of Thomas and the video of Alex. And I was like, I don't think they know the answer. <laughs> and just the way that they were like reacting and everything, because I immediately grabbed my piece of paper, wrote down the answer and was ready. And I looked and they were still thinking about it. And I was like, oh, my God, I think I won. <laughs> and I was like, this is so cool. Amateurs. <laughs> no, that was that was it was actually thrilling to watch that. And to see like, That's awesome. that name Goji, like it went in one ear and out the other for me. Like I could have you could have given me 5000 guesses. And I would not, I would not have come up with Goji. Good on you. Holy cow. Like, remember that moment? And like the, the way you're speaking of like the confidence you had in that moment. Do you remember the first guy to win the million on who wants to be a millionaire? Oh yeah. Like that's one of the great moments in TV history. Like he was, Regis asks him the million dollar question 
And he sits he there. Calls and his dad. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna phone. Can I? Can I phone my dad?" And he's like, "Oh!" And it's all getting dramatic. He's like, "Yeah, I want. I want to call my dad and tell him I just won a million dollars. Like, talk about <laughs> talk about having like nerves of steel and confidence in that moment. Because if you flub that, you're a joke. You're a you are a punchline forever. But hey, remember that asshole who? <laughs> yeah. Like he calls his dad. Hey, dad, how's it going? Oh, good. How are you? Good. Yeah, I just wanted to call and tell you I won a million dollars. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, ah. like that was a great moment in TV history, and you just had your moment like that, Marie. Yay! That's awesome. so. What is the? Is there like a a defense of this thing that has to happen? Like, or is it sort of like you have to defend this at another con, or is it just a Dragon Con thing? It's just Dragon Con, and it'll be basically reset next year, where we have to take the written test first and qualify with our score on the written test to get in the top ten. You'd think they'd let the winner just in. <laughs> yeah, it's part of it's because there's new content every sure. year, so well, yeah, they want to make released. sure you. Yeah, stuff that was released four days before. <laughs> right, and I read the book, so I knew the answer to that question. We I read all knew it. you oh read the gosh. book. <laughs> I I was poring over that thing, like just doing everything I could to finish it in time did, before. Did he warn you that Thrawn that that the book was going to be in the uh, so. In the so Thrawn was released on a Wednesday morning at midnight. And that evening at 5 p.m., we get a message in our Facebook Messenger group for the trivia contest from Daniel that says, I really enjoyed that book. <laughs> and we were all like, please don't. oh, God, please don't. no. Please don't. <laughs> Well, it's kind of unfair because I'm sure at least like Alex and Molly, they would have had probably copies. advanced copies. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> so they probably have been sitting on it for weeks at least. Yeah. Well, Daniel read it literally in a day. Like he he's <laughs> like, it came this? out at midnight. I had plenty of time. And I'm like, oh my god, I had to go to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> Some I had of us work. Job I had to go to. <laughs> Actually, audiobooks, right? Audiobooks. That's the only yeah, way to do it in a day, right? You get, you have to be like a, ro a literal robot to read a book of that length in one day. I, I don't know. I don't no. think so because an audiobook is like, what is the audiobook for that one? It's probably at least like twelve hours probably more because i mean it's probably you know uh zon books are pretty dense i would say 14 but i can read faster than i can than an audiobook oh my god my my kindle told me it was an eight hour read hmm. if i like you know stayed yeah. on it because i mean it's not like you're reading to yourself out loud you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's the true. thing that makes the difference. They can, you know, in the audiobook, they can only go at a certain pace because someone has to listen to it. But if it's all when, when you're reading, it's all in your head. So you can kind of, you know, your your brain uses a shorthand for yourself when you're reading. Right. So. And luckily it was an incredible book. So it was an easy thing to keep yeah. at and finish. Yeah. Now, I, so. I did say that I can 
read faster than an audiobook doesn't mean I do. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, uh, you know, I don't listen to audiobooks straight through in one shot either, but I definitely Yeah. I tend to take uh extended way too long breaks when I'm <laughs> reading through a book. Oh, please. I'm one of those people that has to go back and read half of the previous chapter I left off on. Well, yeah. how long ago did I tell you guys I was reading Dark Disciple? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm halfway through. <laughs> well, Kyle, that's very good for you. <laughs> it Actually, it is. It is. I'm like, hey, look at this. I'm halfway through the book. It's only been two months and I'm halfway through. Good stuff. You know what, though? Keep it up, buddy. I am. I am. This 2020 has been awful. I think I've just learned I'm also illiterate. <laughs> Oh. I think you just have commitment issues. <laughs> I, I got something. Because I can't read a book. I can't read books. I mean, I can. I, oh. I, th- I thought I could, but turns out I'm not very good at it. <laughs> oh. I don't know. Maybe you need to read books about trigonometry or something. <sighs> <laughs> just get some old math textbooks. That'll do the trick. Well, that, I mean, I, that'll help me catch up on my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marie, you're, Nathan, forget about you this week, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Marie also has more big news because you have just launched a YouTube channel. Yep. I sure have. Afra's Artifacts. Welcome to the YouTube algorithm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> So life it's... as a content creator, aside from the blog that you do and, and, and chatting with us, this is a totally different beast so far. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Like I'm having to Marie, learn... Marie, what is what is George Lucas's Star Wars movie about? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> when when is Kathleen Kennedy gonna be fired? When? Oh God! <laughs> oh, these are the We're YouTube si- questions. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, I'm waiting on like comments that are rough to handle and like dealing with those sorts of things. But yeah. secure in the knowledge that you will be one of the good ones. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. I mean, my content is aimed at LGBTQ people in, well, people in the LGBTQ community and allies realizing that there is a place in the Star Wars universe for that little corner of diversity and that it exists. Some of it's not so great. Some of it's fantastic. So what do they do right? What do they do wrong? All that good stuff. So I'm really excited about it because I'm hoping it reaches people and gets people excited about Star Wars that might not otherwise be excited about Star Wars. Well, I'll tell you what they do wrong. There's not enough Singer. Oh, th- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, congrats and, and cheers to you, Marie. That I, I hope it goes well. I hope you get the amount of sleep that you need and that YouTube doesn't yeah. test your nerves. Yeah. And that you just have a lot of fun and, and reach a lot of people because you're, you're doing a good thing out there. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you. Definitely. I'm really excited about it. And continue to share those links, and we'll we'll do the same. We'll do what we can to help uh, help get people's eyeballs on your stuff. Sweet. All right, Nathan, what's up with you, man? How's it going? Oh, not bad. Uh, not much Star Wars this week uh, because I feel like I'm I'm in one of those places where I'm just waiting for a lot of Star Wars. <laughs> I'm I'm just oh I'm so ready for Squadrons. Oh, we'll oh, get there in a second. Holy cow, man! Well, that's actually probably the closest because I I don't think I bought any. I don't think I bought any Star Wars this week, but I did buy. Uh, for my Xbox, a flight stick and throttle. Oh, that one? Um, you got that one? Yep. So I am. Uh, it arrived Friday, I think, or Thursday. So I'm going to try to find a uh, another game to sort of practice on so that I'm ready. And uh, <laughs> I, have, I have no idea if it's even it was even a worthwhile investment <laughs> because I might think it's garbage when I actually sit down to play squadrons with it but uh i'm gonna give it a shot anyway but uh yeah uh should be <laughs> interesting nonetheless uh but no yeah doubt. i'm so excited oh and yeah of course, you know well that that short film that we'll talk about in a couple minutes that that didn't hurt yeah for sure i mean that's the thing is i feel like the games have been like the the stories of of the games, you know the what two that we got um, have been really solid. Um, even if Battlefront Two's campaign story was a little short, um, I think it was solid. And uh, you know, I mean, Iden Iden Versio and and you know that whole cast of characters is, you know, they're fan favorites now. Shriv. All day. Uh, yeah. Oh, Shriv. Oh, more Shriv. Always more Shriv. I love Shriv. Iden's <laughs> dead. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And pick up with the, you know, with the sequel trilogy era Inferno Squadron. I want more of those adventures, you know? that's Yeah, they're, they're a cool gang. Zay's a cool but, character, uh, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I just want so much more of those characters. Uh, but yeah, uh, and, and of course, Fallen Order, um, you know, absolutely huge. So I'm really excited. And of course, you know, we have people like Mitch Dyer involved in the story of this game. Uh, and of course, he was one of the writers of uh, Battlefront 2. So I think we're in good hands when it comes to new story content. And of course, you know, it. it from what we've seen in trailers and, and the videos they've released and stuff, it looks fantastic. And Ray Sloan and Hera and, you know, characters we're familiar with and getting more stories, you know, not necessarily the place we thought we would get more stories with these characters in a video game, but Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Why not? Well, I'll take it. And, <laughs> yeah. why, and why not? seems like a cool place to, to interact with these characters, especially if you ever get to play as them, which I doubt, but still they're there. Definitely, definitely. So, no Star Wars adventures for me, and I, I, I don't know if I should admit this, but we watched in this house this weekend the other Star franchise helmed by legendary Star Wars director J.J. Abrams. Who? <laughs> that was for you, Nathan. 
No, we watched we watched JJ's uh, two Star Trek movies this past weekend. We just hadn't gotten around to it in years, and I'm, I was like, you know what? I think I think the kids would like this. It's it's full of faces. I don't know if anybody does this, but whenever I watch a movie now, I'm always looking for the faces that are attached to Star Wars in some either big way or small way, and this movie is full of them. Well, not full, but it at least there's, you know there's there's Chris Pine who's not Star Wars, but he is he's uh, in Wonder Woman, which my kids love. Uh, you've got um, Simon Pegg who they couldn't identify as Star Wars, but of course he's he's uh, Ankar Plutt. And it's it's just it's full of people. And I told my kids, I'm like the guy who directed this directed Force Awakens, and they're like, oh my god, and it, <laughs> you can see it too, like. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know it's the same cinematographer and same director, but those two Star Trek movies look like The Force Awakens. Like same just, Beastie Boys. It's it's clearly <laughs> the same group of people that, that worked on this. Same editors, but man, I, like those movies are fun. I know they're not in the spirit of like Gene Roddenberry Star Trek, and they're more action movies. But you, I, I from this, I can totally see why, you know, they like maybe Lucasfilm said. Look what JJ did for Star Trek. Bring him into Star Wars. Yeah. For better or worse. Well, I mean, he he really, and I I know, I mean, I don't know exactly when Enterprise ended, but I mean, it would have been close to when, you know, would have been close to 2009 when, when Star Trek came out. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I feel like that was a total, and and from what I understand and what I remember, I don't think Enterprise was all that. Uh, I don't know, but well received, but yeah, it wasn't very it wasn't. popular. It was not well. It was kind of. I feel like people were lukewarm on it. So you know, I mean, it really revitalized the franchise. And and you know, we, honestly, you don't get things like Discovery and Picard or Lower Decks, for God's sake, <laughs> without without those that that trilogy of movies. Um, because you know it, it it proved that you could modernize Star Trek and it proved that you could um, do things a different way and push envelopes and that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. I mean I, I I definitely I definitely like those movies um, uh, despite you know <laughs> despite the man behind every, the... <laughs> despite everything against them <laughs> they, no. they they beat the odds and and were good movies. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how to phrase this without sounding like I'm trashing Star Wars, but I feel like JJ did a better move, better movies there than he did in Star Wars. Yeah, I'd agree. I actually like Into Darkness a fair bit. Yeah, and, I, I know, thought it was good. I think the third one is phenomenal, which of course he didn't direct, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think those movies are. I think it w- that was a very successful relaunch. And it's unfortunate that they don't seem to have been able to keep it going because it's been, God, what has it been now? Like five, six years since we've got another one, a, a new one. Oh yeah, the third one was what twenty sixteen or so, twenty fifteen. Yeah, and I feel, and the irony is, I feel like that wasn't a problem of reception because I think the third one was really well received, and I imagine did really well at the box office. But it, I think that was mainly internal turmoil. Uh, that caught like you know because I, I know Chris Pine there was some stuff going on with his contract and negotiations fell through several times. Yeah, it was it was a money thing with the cast, I think. 
But I, I just think, you know, like, well, why not just move on to gener, you know, gener, next generation, and and <laughs> you know, leap forward to the next generation in this in, in this timeline. You know, if well, if you, if you can't get Chris Pine back and you don't want to recast him, just jump forward and do it again. Yeah, you've got you had give us momentum. Yeah, just to give us the take, your you know, this new modernized take on next generation. I mean, you know, you can you got the Klingons uh, with their new status quo and and all that stuff. So, I mean, it'd be fantastic. But uh. and then there was a. That little period where Quentin Tarantino was gonna make a Star Trek movie. Did you know about this? Yeah, I was ready to bet every dime that I had that that would never happen. But they hired him to uh, write the script. Yeah, I, know. I think I was like, still not gonna happen. This is still not happen until I see it on screen. I will not believe this will happen. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I would give anything to see that movie. <laughs> it would be wild. It, anyway. Honestly. Knowing knowing Tarantino, it would be like a remake of Generations or something. <laughs> it would be something else. Oh my god! Anyway, because <laughs> we have yeah. gone, we have burnt any goodwill left with people, the good people listening, because we've talked about Star Trek for about seven minutes here. Uh, <laughs> who needs them? <laughs> no. Oh, I, I'm a no. I, I'm actually a, a fan. I'm not a died in the wool fan of the Trek, but I like the Trek. Yeah, I'm a big Next Generation fan. That's yeah. the only yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the only series I've seen every episode of, and uh, you know, I absolutely adore it. And I'm actually going back now, sl- very slowly, uh, good, trying to job. watch, trying to get through Deep Space Nine and and Voyager for the first time, uh, so I can start in on the uh, on the new series. But uh, yeah, cool. Anyway, before but we... We, you, you also forgot uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, Thrawn, hello. Oh, right, there you go. <laughs> anyway, so my kids, we had a blast just kind of picking out the faces that we've known from other other movies. Mm. Zoe Saldana, like Benedict Cumberbatch was another one. My kids freaked out because we didn't tell them anything. They just We just waited for the reveal. And they're like, oh my God, it's Doctor Strange. So they, yeah, they, they love that kind of thing. Anywho, mm. uh, before we jump into the Star Wars Squadron short, just want to give a quick congrats to the entire Lucasfilm team. The Mandalorian has won seven Emmy Awards, guys. Seven. Crazy. Woo! Crazy. Everything, like from storytelling to cinematography and, and visual effects and stunts, sound, music. Like, what a what a testament to the full scope of of talent at Lucasfilm and just sort of the groundbreaking quality of the show uh, thanks to the volume and just how they got everything nailed down tight well enough so that they could pull in these awards like that i i'm i'm so surprised they got seven that's a huge haul Mm -hmm. yeah and and talk about getting good buzz like less what a month and a half from the start of the second season like this is good buzz as they build towards that yeah well, yeah, if there's one thing Lucasville needs, it's good buzz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, this is true. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know what was going on with the Emmys because the like the awards were started giving out Wednesday of last week, and then more were given out on, what, Saturday night? It's like, what is this? <laughs> what is happening here? I thought this was like a one-night thing, but apparently it was like over several nights. It's like someone forgot to send an email. <laughs> 
Well, guys, we're not done. We're not done giving out awards. <laughs> we forgot pages five through seven. <laughs> anyway, that's that, fantastic news. Everybody's, you know, obviously well deserving. So let's hope more mm-hmm. of that for season two. Yay! Sure. All right. So, um, all right. Let's get into this Star Wars Squadron short called Hunted, I believe, which came out of the blue, introducing us to Titan Squadron member Varco Gray. And Nathan, if you needed further reason to get excited for squadrons, I know you didn't need it, but if anybody did, like this was it. Like th- this was oh, so man. good. This was top notch, man. Like the tension, the visuals, like everything was on point. And for a seven minute mini movie, like this was as close to universally loved as anything Star Wars has done in the last few years. Like Marie, did you get a chance to check this out? Yes. As a non-gamer, what like what did you think of this little movie? First off, it all just looked so real. Um so real. And I I like the fact that it was from I know there was a tiny bit of an uproar about this, but I did like the fact that it was from the point of view of an imperial. Mm-hmm. Um I thought that was pretty fascinating it's yeah i mean we've i don't know why people are surprised by this anymore like but like between lost stars and the tie fighter miniseries from marvel we've gotten plenty of stuff from the imperial point of view yeah like this this i mean i versio right <laughs> we've been yeah. down this road extensively in video games i don't get why people would be so upset mm-hmm and it was my favorite kind of TIE fighter. <laughs> the Interceptor? Which was exciting. Yes! I want a TIE Interceptor tattoo so bad. What's what's stopping you? Money. Oh. Fair enough. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, Nathan, what did this do for you, man? Like, out of the blue, last Monday, bang, here you go. How's that? It was all right. Yeah, okay. Moving on. <laughs> no, I wanted to be in that TIE Interceptor. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking was. Or even the X-Wing. I would, like. I just wanted to... Like, I hope that that's in the game. Like, some kind of like hunt mode or something like that. Like, that'd be so cool. Like, you have to search wreckage. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of doubt it will be, but I, I just... I do think that would be a really cool game mode, but uh, oh man, the war's over. Not for me. <laughs> Homeboy's got an axe to grind. And and the fact that this is set, you know, another game set after Return of the Jedi is so exciting. And I mean, we're getting a lot of that content now. It's and we've talked about this before, but like about how it seems like um, Lucasfilm works like, like they create in phases. Like we talked about how you had the rogue one phase where everything was about the death star or it's construction or Kyber yes. crystals. And, and we're sort of, we seem to be in this place where even though we got the aftermath novels years ago, and that seemed to have been another phase at the time with, you know, shattered empire and aftermath and that kind of thing. We seem to be in this phase now where we're really looking at with with um, Alphabet Squadron, 
coming out over the last, you know, year. And now this game, and we had, uh, you know, we had Battlefront 2 a couple years ago. We seem to be in this phase of exploring sort of, what, what a year or two after uh, Return of the Jedi? And that sort of, that changing state of the galaxy. It's really exciting. Uh, and I kind of like, if that is sort of, I don't know if it's a planned approach or if it's just a byproduct of them working on these projects at the same time. But if it is planned, I think it's a really good idea that they do this sort of um, phased approach. And I don't know if that's how they would um, describe it. If again, they are actually trying to do this, but uh, I think it, it's, it's, a really effective way to focus the audience on a certain era, even if not everything is that com- is coming out is focused on it. You know, if, if you do have a focus across several media, um, yeah, I think it just helps zero in on what you're trying to say about that, that particular thing. And I think it's really interesting. For sure. Like, yeah, when you consider the comics that have come out recently and now this game and mm-hmm. sure for the, you know, the, the Alphabet Squadron books, which I have yet to read. But <laughs> so Titan Squadron, I feel like we've heard that name. Are they in the comics? Or is that a new name, Titan Squadron? That's new because it's Shadow Squadron. Right? Or am I? Is it Shadow Squadron? Now I'm psyching myself I'm looking out. it up. Um, Shadow, it, it is Shadow Squadron in Alphabet Squadron, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, in the TIE Fighter comic. Yeah, Titan Squadron yeah. is just from this video game. Okay, right. it, it sounded That's familiar. But anyway, it, it is cool to see this sort of multifaceted effort, this multi-pronged effort to illustrate how the Empire tried to cling, tried to hang in there, but was, was sort of pulled apart by the mm-hmm. by the growing rebellion really fascinating yeah. stuff i don't know where they're going with this with this game where the story will, will take us but i gotta admit like watching this video or this this little short film it made me a little bit intimidated but for how complex the game's going to be in terms of having to like manage your actively manage your shields your weapons your engines mm. like, <laughs> you've never mm-hmm. had to do that before it's just those are your shields those are your weapons and your engines are your engines. You got a little button for speed boost, blah, blah, blah. And when you don't have to worry about it until it's gone. Mm-hmm. But this one, you're going to have to divert power from engines to shields and from shields to weapons. Like <sighs> that is <laughs> like, that's intimidating to me, but also, you know, that type of variance is going to add a whole huge thick layer to the game. That's going to make it so much fun. Yeah. Oh man, and you see a lot of that in the film, right? Yeah. A lot of uh, between between uh, mostly from Varco Gray, you see him in the the cockpit of his Tie Fighter, flipping a lot of switches, and I think it's sort yeah. of to evoke the flavor of what's coming when when Squadron drops in early October. Man, I'm mm-hmm. I'm so oh, man, I'm so excited for this. I did find it kind of strange that they didn't showcase more of the ships, more of the ship types in this video, even like in the beginning. Uh, it was mainly X-Wings and, and ties, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of, and you do see some of the other Imperial ships at the end when they're flying in to uh, meet them at the beach. 
but I kind of would have expected, um, you know, a sort of a, even at the, in the beginning battle to really focus in on some of the other ship types to give you an idea of, uh, well, to promote what the content of the game, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, did did anybody, anybody pour one out for that jackass rebel pilot? <laughs> War's <laughs> over, amp. <laughs> and, and he got suckered yeah. badly. Bam, yeah. right into the mountainside. Stupid. Well, it's so, so interesting to flip the perspective, you know, and, and we get that in, in the books and the and the comics, you know, where you'll hear a, a rebel or, or even sometimes a citizen or, or sorry, an, an imp or sometimes a citizen um, talk about how the, the rebels are terrorists and, and this kind of stuff. And they're, you know, defying. Uh, the Empire's order and law and order and, and that kind of thing. So, But it's always interesting to see, and, and this is one of the most explicit cases we've seen of the the rebels being portrayed as the bad guys. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it was really effective. Uh, and, and, you know, not in sympathizing the fascist way, but a... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, just just sort of. Um, I mean, it's always interesting to to see a new perspective on a story, you know, right? I mean, it's, because it, it it's one of the, it's a story we've seen a million times, but also we're not used to seeing the rebellion win. <laughs> you know, we usually watch them lose. So when all of a sudden now they're winning almost every battle, it is a little easier to see them as somewhat scary so i i think that's that was really effective well one thing that's kind of always alluded to in star wars but only in the vaguest sense is that for as much as the empire controlled and, and you know from our point of view as viewers we recognize the empire as evil it's you know kind of really stated that not everybody hated the empire like mm -hmm. the empire helped certain worlds you know i put helped in in air quotes but certain worlds yeah. prospered because of the empire's presence. So for those billions of, of worlds or whatever, they would have seen the rebellion as terrorists for sure. Mm -hmm. And so there always is that pendulum of, you know, people who think the good guys are actually the bad guys and vice versa. Yep. And, and we don't, but watching from the, you know, as, as a viewer, we're, we don't get that at all. I, you know what? Yeah. I, I would argue that maybe a little bit. Like I think Lucas does that to us when we cheer for the for the Republic in the prequels, knowing full well that they will become the Empire that we root against. Well, it's the right. end of Attack of the Clones, right? I mean, it's you get the Imperial March. Yeah, and you see, like, there's that one shot of Yoda arriving to battle with stormtroopers, essentially, and it's like, oh my god, what a! There's Lucas, sort of just giving you this snapshot of. Look at me sort of twisting your perspective of this whole saga. Yeah. But so given this timeline, this, you guys are more well-versed in the, the alphabet squadron stuff, but do you expect any specific or explicit ties to those stories? Or is it just going to be another look at the, the demise of the empire? Well, I mean, I th I still think it's a little strange that it is a different squadron. Like, you're not part of Shadow Squadron. Like, that's what I would yeah. have expected. And even, like, I understand 
you know, they had their own story to tell and, and, but it seems to me that this squadron, and I could be wrong, but I feel like this is happening probably before alphabet squadron. So it like this would be the alphabet squadron, you know, (laughs) because you, and I'm not quite clear on this, how it works in, in the multiplayer, but I know like everybody has their own character in the multiplayer. Right. And, but I don't know in the multiplayer, if you can like, if, if you could have a squadron of X wings or if everybody has to have a different ship, I'm not sure how that works, but at least in the story, I mean, you're, you're going to be flying with all different ships. So like, it's weird to me that, they would have started calling alphabet squadron alphabet squadron you know as a sort of you know derisive name when sort of the same thing already existed (laughs) prior i love that joke like people Mm. are like why is this called alphabet squadron shouldn't it be called orabesh squadron (laughs) (laughs) really though but yeah i mean it's it's strange that you have these i mean it's they're, they're almost set up. And, and again, I understand that, you know, uh, Freed is telling his own story and this game is telling a different story. But I mean, Shadow Squadron is a lot bigger than what we just see in the uh, in the novel. Yeah. You know, before it's disbanded. I mean, because right. I mean, the characters in the the members of Shadow Squadron in the uh, TIE Fighter comic, the miniseries. Uh, most of those characters don't even appear in the book, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's really just... I I don't know how to say her name. I say Eureka, but mm. I guess... Is it Erica? I'm not I sure. I think in the audiobook, it's it's Eureka. Eureka. Okay, I was close. Um, yeah. Eureka Kell. Um, I know she's in both, but I I don't know... Grandmother is in both, or at least yeah. Like, cause in the second book, Shadowfall, they talked about grandmother having died and her replacement, so she was in both. Yeah, but that was like a a higher up. So... Yeah, grandmother was set up with the, with all the minds around her in space, right? That was in the first book. Was that grandmother? Yeah, she had that was her defense. She had like thousands of of space mines surrounding the planet where she was or where where the base was cuz uh-huh. she was she was like her whole thing was like she was going to resupply imperial forces, right? It's I been a while. It's honestly been a while. don't remember. <laughs> I yeah. anyway, I don't remember. It's not that important, but anyway, just, well, but yeah, needless to say, uh, excitement abounds for this game, which, oh man, a couple weeks out, we're two, three weeks out from this game, and I, <sighs> give it to me, give it to me already, I'm damn it. I'm losing my mind. I, I'm, I'm taking time off work for this game. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, that is a sage choice. Yeah, I swear, if so. I have a job by then, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag priorities <Aww. laughs> me too man need my wingman <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, uh, all goodness. right we'll put that away for now we'll, i'm sure we're going to talk about this lots more in october 
But uh, let's let's talk about this Mando season two trailer. I know it's it's kind of it's kind of old news now, and uh, you know, lots of people have already given their full breakdown, so we don't need to do the whole play by play. But let's just we'll quickly give our overall reactions to the trailer, and then we can talk about some of the. Uh, the big questions coming out of the trailer and just see what we can predict or what, what we thought was happening here. Uh, so, Marie, what was your overall reaction to the trailer that dropped on Tuesday? Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I don't know anymore. Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Chills. Chills. That's a good yeah. sign. Chills. And at the end of it, and I tweeted this, but I, at the end of it, I was out loud saying, what? What? Like, I I loved it. I thought it was fabulous that it gave away absolutely nothing. Isn't that the beauty of the trailer? Like, it's perfect. Like, it gets you all revved <laughs> up for the season, gives you some cool shots, but doesn't show you really any new characters and doesn't give you any of the plot for the season other than playing keep away with, with uh, the child. Yeah. And you, but we already know it's going to other places. Man, like that was my reaction was just like, this is so perfect. They, they did it. Like they gave us, they got us all revved up, but gave us nothing. What was, what were your thoughts, yeah. Nathan? Uh, I mean, I thought it was a great trailer. Like you said, didn't give any away and, but got you hyped. I, I do feel like this trailer was more for, it, I, it wasn't for us. You know, this was for the uh, people who may have let their subscription lapse or, you know, hmm. uh, so, you know, just, hey, remember, this is coming back. You better subscribe again. Um, I feel like that was this was for the uh, the lay person, I'll say. Uh, because, I mean, like I said, it, it was a great trailer, but I, I don't feel like I was any more excited after the trailer than I was before. And I mean, I'm ex- I'm real excited for season two. Uh, but I, I don't think the fa- the trailer really affected that one way or the other. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, those of us here listening to a Star Wars podcast, we're probably all at a 10 anyway. Like, we we don't need to be sold on this show. We Like, we know exactly. October 30th is coming. We know that, like, we've cleared our schedule for that date. So we don't, yeah. we don't need it. It's You're right. It's for everybody else who might have forgotten or who just need that reminder that, oh, yeah, my, my Disney Plus is important. I need to keep subs- be subscribed because... I want to see that little tiny green-eared cutie. Well, and I think it's proved. I think that's proved by the fact that, and I think it was really smart of them to do this. But I mean that the di- the dialogue through the trailer is the 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 armorer recapping what Mando's mission is going forward. You yeah, know, yeah. and we don't need need reminding of that. <laughs> you know, that's front of mind for us. But the you know the person who May is maybe not a Star Wars fan or maybe has never seen a Star Wars movie. Mando is the only thing they've seen or, you know, they don't think about this every waking hour of their lives like we do. <laughs> <laughs> they, Hashtag you know, priorities. Like, oh, yeah. So so what is this? Where where did they leave off? And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's bringing the chop. Right, right, right. I remember now. And this is this is the way. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> So you know, I think I think that definitely shows that who this trailer was for. And again, we did get teases. You know, we got Sasha Banks and well, I mean, Sasha Banks and and half naked Gamorreans is basically oh. what we got. <laughs> well, that, that's a great segue. So 
let's talk about some of the big issues. I've got a I've got a list of things here that I want to throw at you guys. I don't know if you have other questions of your own, but let's talk about the Sasha Banks character. So she she pops out of the blue. There's a voiceover from the armor mm-hmm. talking about the Jedi. These these weirdo sorcerers. Who is she playing, Marie? Who is she playing? You got a guess? Oh gosh, um, no. But the fact that that so I was wondering, you know, yes, the voiceover specifically is talking about the Jedi when she's shown and the entire time she's shown it's talking about the Jedi, but they love Mr. X. Sure do. So does it really mean she's a Jedi or are they just trying to make us think she's a Jedi? (laughs) <laughs> Those are both valid POVs, and I'm sure they know exactly that. <laughs> they know exactly that. She could be... Okay, so let's just put this on the table right now. So, the whole Sabine Wren thing, was that an actual rumor that came from a legit source, or was that just fan casting? Ill-conceived fan casting. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember, and I was too lazy to go digging into it. Do you, do you remember, Nathan? Was that like a... I don't remember, but now I'm thinking that it was probably... like I think I think the Ahsoka rumors are rock solid. Uh, yeah. We've been hearing, you know, there's been too much smoke for there to be no far. Uh, but I do wonder if people sort of assumed that if Ahsoka is back at this time, then Sabine's going to be with her. Mm. Um, but yeah. that would presume that, you know... Uh, we would either be finding out that Ezra's dead, uh, didn't want to come back, or Ezra's going to be in the show too. <laughs> right. Or they gave up the search for Ezra and they're like, ah, screw yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, and, you know, I, you know, stupid me, I didn't realize this until I, I had to have it pointed out to me, but, you know, Sasha Banks is black. And Sabine is not. So there is that little hiccup. <laughs> it's it's sort of, you know, Captain Rex on indoor all over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like so I, I was wondering, like, if she's Sabine, God help us all, because the fallout from that choice is just gonna be dreadful. Especially when she's clearly Finn's mom. <laughs> oh no, don't. <laughs> oh god. You know what? <laughs> We're talking about origins of the first order. Why not? Oh, right? Who why, knows? why not? Who why the knows? hell not? Okay, so can, let's just rule Sabine out. She's not Sabine, right? Can we can we say that safely? Yeah, yeah. That's not to say that Sabine won't be in the show. I mean, we have no idea, but uh, it's not Sasha Banks. So did you have another guess, Nathan? I I mean I I think she's a Mandalorian. Um, you know, I, I think, I still think, uh, having Jedi, having too many Jedi in this era is a little, uh, tricky. Um, especially when we know we have Ahsoka, we may have Ezra, (laughs) you know, Luke is, is out there still trying to rebuild everything. Um, but you know, I mean, one of the last things that we saw in Clone Wars was a bunch of Mandalorians sneaking around in hoods. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, I, I, I think that to me, it's, it's, you know, the simplest answer. 
is probably the right answer. <laughs> yeah, looking back to those episodes of of uh, the Clone Wars, I, th- I think it was the final episode of the Martez sisters arc. You've got mm-hmm. Bo-Katan with Ursa Ren and another Mando, a female Mando who just didn't say a word. Yeah. So it could it could be that character, could not be. But I think the simplest, most elegant answer is that she's a Mando. Yeah. But I you know. I, and the. Go ahead, Marie. The voiceover was about the Mandalorians versus the Jedi. So the voiceover wasn't completely about Jedi. It was also Mm -hmm. about Mandalorians. Yeah. So that wouldn't necessarily, I mean, from a certain point of view, that's not exactly a misdirect. So. Yeah. And I did see some... uh some speculation that maybe it's Ketsu. Oh, I didn't see oh. that. You know, if, if, Sabine is, if Sabine is back, maybe we're finally going to see some more interaction between her and Ketsu. That would be cool. So yeah, that could work. Who knows? I, I, I threw out the idea that, well, I, I didn't, I'm sure I did not originate the idea, but just that it could be Barris. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I like that idea. That's it's wild though. Like that's a whole thing on its own. Oh yeah, but well, but I think the age matches up. The age and, matches up really you know, well. I mean, I I think Barris is coated as black. I would say Barris is coated as black. Uh, you know, same way as that Ahsoka is coated black. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think that's. Uh, I definitely think it's possible. Now, Likely it, again. Uh, oh yeah, possible for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I, we're you know. This is like trying to like play at the craps table or something. You know, you're trying to yeah. trying to hit that hit that lucky number. So so you you see the shot of, of Sasha Banks and she doesn't have the the face tattoos and she doesn't have the dark lipstick, but that could easily just be let's do a take for the trailer without the face tattoos and and the, the mm-hmm. lipstick and then we'll slip that in and then put it through the process. So I took I photoshopped the the, the face tattoos onto her face. I didn't darken her lips. I guess I was just lazy, but it works. Like it fits and it, man, it could be heard. Like it, it feel, it felt like the texture and the color of the cloak was also very Barris. Mm. Yeah. And with Ahsoka being around rumored to be part of the show, those two have major history together. And yeah. so it mm-hmm. would be interesting to see what that dynamic is now. Like, <laughs> I, I would love it. I, I would be all for it. And I know I've said, like, I don't want the show to go too far away from The Mandalorian, considering the show is called The Mandalorian. But I will take a, yeah. an Ahsoka Barris side story. <laughs> oh, uh, absolutely. All day. Oh, man. That would be awesome. All right, let's talk about some of the planets that we saw. So we saw that ice world. Is that mm-hmm. Ilum? It's got to be, right? Got to be. If it has been hinted by the creators that they're going to be bits about the origins of the first order, then uh-huh. yeah, it has to be Ilum. And plus we've played with that planet in fallen order. Yeah. I'm talking about doing things in phases and fleshing things out. Mm-hmm. Certainly has to be Ilum. The point is, my question is why, like what would they be doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's super I guess tracking the Jedi, like it, you know, the the caves were for probably 
a thousand years, Jedi went to the caves on Ilum to find their kyber crystals. So something leads him to Ilum being a hub of Jedi activity in the past. Yeah, maybe the maybe the child hears, or like you know, you know how Ahsoka kind of heard the call from the kyber crystals, and she it led her there. Maybe the child sort of leads Mando there in some way. I don't know. I don't, I, should, okay, I, another thing. Okay, else. okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> so I just had this thought, and I have to get it out before it escapes my brain. What if Mando, in his search, like uh, maybe he he comes across a some kind of signal or something? What if he comes across Hu Yang? Oh, oh no! <laughs> oh. Maybe David Tennant's back, baby. <laughs> that would be. Oh man, that would be unbelievable. <laughs> that would and, be... And, and that leads him back to, you know, back to maybe you know, or maybe Hu Yang is not you know conscious or or whatever you know. Um, what's the word online? But maybe he can access his database and. And sees Ilum. And who, maybe Moff Gideon points them there. Like, we don't know the sequence of these events at all. So yeah. maybe they have been ca- they get captured by Gideon at some point who says, oh, we're doing something with Ilum. Ha, ha, ha. It's going to destroy you all. They get it. Mando gets away. We're gonna, Let's go check out what they're doing with Ilum. Mm-hmm. Or this this place yeah. they call Ilum. And they're like, oh, God. Because did we, did we get a full, like, establishing shot of the planet from space in the trailer? I can't remember. Uh, no, we just got like so. like low atmosphere flying in. Cause yeah, cause if we had gotten an establishing shot from space, we would have seen the terraforming yeah. happening, right? Yeah, and we'd all uh, freak out <laughs> with that confirmation. So, uh, I still think man, it's I remember I remember that moment in Fallen Order. Oh man, it's so good. And, and like, if you haven't played it, play it. But. The moment you realize what's going on, it's like like you're jumping off the couch, jumping up and down like holy crap. Well, <laughs> you can't believe you can't believe they went there. <laughs> well, they even did that in the, in the Ahsoka novel, right? Yeah. Where Ahsoka does go to Ilum and she looks at the planet for the first time in, in years and she's like, what the hell is happening here? Like who is doing this to the planet? It's all being gouged apart. She doesn't know what's mm-hmm. up, but it's, yep. it's a very vague allusion to the first order digging out the planet, coring it out yep. so that they can do whatever they're going to do to it. That was one of those like gasp moments from that novel. Yeah. It's hard to believe that it's been almost a year since fallen order came out, man. Thinking about how long we waited for that game and how excited we were. And it's been out almost a year that's crazy and how i'll play squadrons before i play that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay how about that water world seems to be more possibilities there see (laughs) when those when those disney plus screenshots leaked before the trailer came out and everybody was flipping out boats water plant like i was like oh my "Eh, god eh I was like, maybe it's because I'm from Newfoundland, but boats aren't enough to get me excited. <laughs> so in my notes for 
this podcast, I wrote, I love how everybody on Twitter was freaking out about the boat. The space right? boat. The space boat. <laughs> oh, my God. Especially it was since just a we, boat. <laughs> we just had boats in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and we had a space yacht in, in The Last Jedi. There was pirate yeah. boats in, in uh, Resistance. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is yeah. not... It's not new. It's not a big deal. So, oh, so, so is this is this Castellon? Is it Moncala? Some people hoping, praying that it's we're going back to visit Doctor Pershing on Camino. Those are three interesting options. There's yeah, so I, many corn. Yeah, a lot of corn in the background to make me think it's Moncala. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking it too, but then I was thinking, you know, if. The nim the uh, the uh, oh, what is happening? The Kaminoans. Oh, that word just flew out of my brain. Oh, they're they're cloners. Uh, they're damn good ones too. That's that's the thing. They seem too <laughs> stuck up to be coming up with their own food. I mean, I guess they could grow it. They are cloners, but it, it, you know, if they're growing armies and stuff, they gotta feed them all. So maybe they hire these, you know. Either hire these uh, these fishermen to provide their food, or maybe they, you know, th- these guys are just there taking advantage of a good opportunity and and you know selling to them, or you know, however it might work. But I mean, you've got to feed; they've got to f- eat this Kaminoans, you know. Indeed, and but it's it's just to go, goes to show, like there's there's three options on the table for what it could be. I don't know what they'd be doing on Moncala, yeah. but for for Camino and Castellan, like imagine going back to visit the Colossus in live action. That would be so rad. That mm. would be awesome. That would be so so cool. I don't know what it would mean other than ah, let's just go to this place. We got to we got to re- <laughs> refuel, repair, or earn some credits. Who knows? But man, that would be really really cool. Uh, all right, so let's. Uh, Let's check out something else in this trailer. Actually, do, do you what's on on your guys' list? Uh, I mean, not much, honestly. <laughs> I mean, naked Gamorians kind of steal the show. Oh man, like, <laughs> and but emaciated too a little bit. I thought. Yeah, maybe. I thought they were a little a little skinny. Like, as in, we're going back to Tatooine. And times have been tough, especially if you were a former denizen of Jabba's court. Like, could could Jabba's palace have been converted to some sort of fighting arena where, like, those previous employees of Jabba are now forced to fight for their lives just to survive? That's something mm. I was kind of hoping we'd mm-hmm. see. And I'm sure, like, Favreau being the MMA guy that he is, the combat sport fan that he is, I could totally see him revisiting that. He, I totally see him going back there. We we did the cantina. In in the first season, why not check out Jabba's palace in the in the second season and see what's happening there? Which, you know, it could be a little place where people of Tatooine gather to see this illegal fighting stuff going down. Oh man, if that's the case, those Gamorians are definitely racist. <laughs> what? Oh, I mean, that's a prerequisite for no. Oh, maybe that's just a bias I have. Well, never mind. 
Is that a Conor McGregor joke? <laughs> no, I would never. He's scary. Oh, gotcha. Well, I mean, he's just, he's not far from you, right? He's just a quick jump over that puddle there in the, in the Atlantic. Over. Oh, he's yeah, oh, he's, yeah. he's scary. He's oh scary. man, sorry, Connor. Sometimes you sometimes you can get tickets for like four hundred bucks. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, man, half naked Gamorians. I'm all about it. How about you, Marie? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. That whole scene was awesome, including, of course, the laugh out loud moment when the child closes the pram. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was that so was so good. So good. <laughs> yeah, that made like everybody in my house. We've all watched it at different times, but everybody when they saw it, like intended effect, like all laugh out loud. It was great, mm-hmm. and the kids wanted to watch it over and over just to see that kid. Oh, <laughs> press the button and duck in. <laughs> well, and I feel like a lot of people missed the big question there, and fair enough because it's a really funny, cute moment. But Mando's resupplied somewhere, supposedly with Mandalorians. So does he come back across the clan again, and the armor, or uh, does he find another group of Mandalorians? Because yeah. someone's making him those whistling birds. And it seemed like those were a, a, a special thing, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he did get a new supply, fresh supply somewhere. Yep. Uh, well, the other thing that, one of the things that jumped out in this trailer for me was <coughs> the seeing the X-Wings, which of course always makes my, my heart sing. Mm. But were they an escort to the Razor Crest or was that sort of attack mode? Like when I mean, we see them uh-huh. go to attack mode, but was that attacking Mando or is that just for some other reason? That was me flying in Star Wars squadrons. So that's what that was. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I can't. I, all I can see every time I see a ship, I can't watch anything. I can't look at my bookshelf. All I think is oh, I'm going to be flying one of those. But yeah, no, I, I think he's definitely. Um, like, you know, and, and I've heard people put it, you know, he's being pulled over. That's what it yeah. seems like. You yeah, know, first, first shot is like, pull over, dude. Yeah. And, and it's like, he opens his S-foils. That's your warning. <laughs> Fire a warning shot across her nose. <laughs> yeah. Spaceballs reference, everybody. <laughs> See, I thought it looked more like an escort, but I don't know. Yeah, because the first shot is like flying side by side. As foils yeah. closed, okay, they're they're gonna help him into a landing strip somewhere or whatever. But then the chase is on in one of the f- next shots in the trailer where mm. S foils attack position, and you know, Mando is is zipping through the clouds there and they're in hot pursuit. Mm. So ah, man, I don't know. I'm really excited to learn. But I, I, Mando running afoul of the New Republic, that's no way to make a name for yourself. Come on, man. <laughs> with with mm-hmm. children on board. <laughs> yeah <laughs> or maybe what we maybe the opening of the trailer where you see like the the razor crest sort of limping through space with like the engine sort of smoking and the back door flopping open maybe that's the aftermath of that dogfight. fight Amanda yeah. barely gets out of that that scrape with two x-wings um marie remind me did <laughs> Did the New Republic outlaw bounty hunting? Am I... Is, is that right? I don't... 
think so. Because I feel like uh, maybe maybe not, but I feel like in maybe one of the aftermath novels or Bloodline or something, they reference that bounty hunting had been outlawed. The only reason I ask is because like like obviously the guild is mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, legal, but that's yeah. You know, this is all fairly recent after the New Republic takeover. You know, a matter of what three years is, is that? What it is? Three years? I think it's so five years. Five years? Well, it's seven years after New Hope, right? I don't even know anymore. So <laughs> be, if that's if that's the case, it'd be three years after Jedi. But e- either way. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like it's something that was left over from, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it, my theory doesn't hold water if, <laughs> if that's not the case. But I feel like that was somewhere. I'll have to look into that. Anyway, disregard. I, I hate in the aftermath, happens. in aftermath, Jossamari was working with the New Republic and she was a bounty hunter. Yeah. But she was she was working she was like contracted right she was like a, a Nazi hunter like boys in the Brazil kind of boys from Brazil kind of thing like they were going after Imperials yeah so they were like they were sort of contracted by the New Republic Navy hmm. or New Republic Intelligence or whatever because they were tied in with Wedge and all that stuff but. Yeah, I don't know. I could be wrong. And I mean, this is after the Aftermath novels anyway. So uh, I'm just trying to. Yeah, I'll have to look into that because I feel like that was somewhere where bounty hunting was outlawed. Or maybe maybe it was just they had like stricter control over it. Maybe it wasn't sort of as, you know, um there was more oversight, yeah, kind of thing. and maybe that's where the guild comes in. But, right. Because uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I never got any sense before, and that would be actually interesting to figure out too. Because I mean, we never heard any mention of the guild. I don't think before Mandalorian, you know, because everything in like Clone Wars and you know, you think of like Django and. And Zam, I mean, and even in during the uh, the Imperial reign, seemed like everything was sort of like, you know, Wild West. Every yeah, every man for himself. So maybe the guild was something that the New Republic brought in to sort of, uh, you know, provide yeah, some I don't, control. I don't remember any. Oversight. I don't remember any mention of guild in the Clone Wars either. When when we were hanging out with with Cad Bane or Embo or uh, what's her name. Or a sing, yeah, mm. or yeah, Bubba I've, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't remember anything about a guild, so who knows? Does the guild would this guild let kids in? <laughs> you know, teenagers. <laughs> it so I just looked it up on Wikipedia, and um, the Bounty Hunters Guild. It looks like timeline-wise, it existed during the Empire. Oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. And it but, says it's mentioned in Dark Disciple, which was during the Clone Wars. Um, so, I, I, I haven't gotten there yet. 
<laughs> huh. Well, that's interesting. Maybe so it's a know, but... maybe it's a voluntary thing. Maybe we got a bunch of bounty hunter scabs out there running around. <laughs> <laughs> Union busting <laughs> bounty hunters. Oh god. <laughs> okay, cool. Anybody else have anything else they want to talk about with this trailer? The Scout Troopers. Oh my gosh. Oh, wasn't that, that... That was cool. bike riding was incredible. That plummet off the cliff? Oh. So cool. I loved yeah. it. And so, the skid. <laughs> that was There was a shot from that trailer that I didn't even notice until people started making a big deal of it on, on Twitter and looking at some of the quote-unquote cargo on one of the, the speeder bikes. Look, People surmising that this is Boba Fett's armor mm. strapped to the back of this speeder bike. Spurs, baby. <laughs> oh, interesting. We talk about Boba Fett. So apparently over the weekend, I don't know if this is legit or not, but I'll say spoiler warning for season two. Um, skip ahead a couple seconds if you're not interested in hearing it, but people dug up news on Tamara Morrison's website. The, the, the agency that represents him lists him as playing Boba Fett in season two. Which, which is, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of want to just take it at its word that the site has its information lined up properly, but you never know. You never yeah. know. That seems like a breach in contract <laughs> to have that information available for people to find, like, like uh, an NDA sort of breach. <laughs> like, yeah, it sounds like somebody just screwed up yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe someone pushed publish when they weren't supposed to or who knows right or they just think nobody checks this no forgetting uh, that star wars fans (laughs) check everything (laughs) yeah (sighs) but yeah so that that's apparently a thing so you know unless you know just it's like a place filler type content and he's actually also playing rex or some other clone like there is that rumor as well that he's he's actually doing more than one person in mando season two so we'll we'll see well i mean boba is pretty specific for him since you know i mean the most he ever did to play boba fett was do some voiceover right so you know i mean it it would if it was going to be a placeholder it would make more sense if it said Django fett because what's interesting is is like tamara morrison is pushing 60 Mm. And Boba Fett as an unaltered clone would be about would be in his mid thirties at this point. Yeah. Although he's he has spent some time in a Sarlacc belly, which I'm sure takes a toll. <laughs> it would be interesting. <laughs> wouldn't it be interesting to if he also if tomorrow tomorrow was also playing a clone to have him the same actor on this in the same scene, one of them digitally de-aged and the other as like their regular age. That'd be pretty rad. I guess they did that with Gemini Man, with young Will Smith and older Will Smith. Yeah. Who did? Didn't ILM do the effects for Aquaman? I hope not. Why? <laughs> you didn't like Aquaman? Uh, it's not that I didn't like the movie. I thought some of the effects were pretty rough. Uh, like it was a big movie. Yeah. Granted, yeah. Like they, they pulled but off some I, big things. 
but I mean, <coughs> my point is that they, you know, they de-aged him for that movie. Yes. So I mean, you know, I mean. It, oh, I see what you mean. It's like it's already there. a lot of the a lot of the work is probably done. You yeah, know? that's a good point. Yeah, no, that's true. So I mean, it wouldn't be as expensive as if they were starting from scratch to de-age him. Yeah, they would already have all that methodology down. That's 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 a good yeah. point. But that'd be that'll, that'll be cool, and we seemingly have an answer as to whether or not Boba Fett will be in. And it seems like that's a yes, and we'll see what role he actually plays. Because man, if I spent some time in a Sarlacc pet, I would either be really angry or just like fed <laughs> up and just I'm out. Like that was horrible. I just need to go cool out for a while. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's fun that you know. Um, they sort of te- I mean I have problems with Aftermath and you know I'm woe to compliment Chuck Wendig and anything but uh, <laughs> in the first Aftermath, Aftermath yeah I like the I like the Aftermath books but you know obviously there are issues um, and I don't like him but um, <laughs> he, listen He's the only Star Wars author I have blocked on Twitter. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, there was the interlude in the first Aftermath book with Dengar, where he's uh, oh, what was the bounty hunter's name throughout the uh, Aftermath books? Josamari. No, no, no. The the uh, it was the other one. The one he was like the badass guy who like followed them to Jakku and. I just say Embo. Um, it's got to be Embo. No, no, it wasn't Embo. It was the guy. He only showed up in that interlude in the first book, and then he became more prominent. At one point, they were hunting him, I think. Oh, God, I can't remember his name. Anyway, point being, Dengar is fighting this guy. <laughs> and Dengar says, Boba Fett. <laughs> and, like, sort to sort of distract this guy. And it's like some comment about like uh even though he's dead his name still carries or like his name still strikes fear into you know that kind of thing it was really really fun and now if he's actually going to come back that's gonna make that all that more amusing (laughs) because he is actually out there somewhere (laughs) right yeah mercurial swift that's the one yeah what a stupid name (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like a ship name yeah it does does. (laughs) anyway okay cool um we're all stoked fully stoked for mando what where are we 39 38 days until it comes out yeah really salivating for this thing come to me already Yes. So let's uh, let's jump over to comic books and talk about two titles that brought some arcs to a close, maybe. Um, oh, and you know what's cool is that I you know, I just realized that it's rare, maybe it's never happened for us, where two comics come out in a week that happens to coincide with us being here to talk about it. So we're not weeks behind talking about the comics for a change. <laughs> like this is fresh. This is fresh content. This is Darth Vader 5. This came out this week. This didn't come out four weeks ago, and we're just getting to it. Like, I'm pretty happy about this. Let me have my it's moment. unnatural. It is unnatural. But I'm I'm having this moment, and you're not taking it from me. <laughs> All right, so 
where are we here? So Vader's been, this whole arc for the first four issues, Vader's been running around trying to take his anger out on those who he felt made Luke weak. And uh, it takes this, his search took him through or took him to meeting up with the Amidalans, who is led by Sabe and a bunch of, of people of different uh, species loyal to Padme. And these people are hellbent on revenge for her death. And so this takes us this takes us all back to Polis Massa, which is a place we visit at the end of Revenge of the Sith, where Luke and Leia are born, um, which is really interesting and spooky. The way that it's it's like it's a dead place now; it's scrapped. So, but if we go back to the first final pages of issue four, where Vader had gained access to Padme's tomb, and he's about to open her sarcophagus, and we're all going to get a peek inside. We talked about it. What, what's he going to find in there? And then, Marie, what's in the tomb? Padme. <laughs> I guess. Because we don't check. <laughs> uh, well, the, well, he... Z67 scanned the body and found that med implant. So I assumed he scanned and it was Padme. But that's a good point. Like he, he, like the the issue plays up to this crescendo that we're gonna we're gonna actually look inside Padme's coffin, which is kind yeah. of morbid when you think about it, right? We're, yeah. all, we're all kind of waiting for that, which is which says something about us. But then, bones or it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you know he Vader goes and he's he's removing he's moving the the lid with the force. You can't the angle of the art doesn't let you see inside. And and Sabe and a bunch of people are going. No, you you can't desecrate her grave like this. And then and, he gets a cramp and he drops it. Yeah, and then he he thinks twice and he <laughs> kind of drops it, but it's it it's it's slightly ajar. And uh, buddy boy, there Z six seven. Yeah. So he finds a med implant, which uh, God knows why that's there, but it's there, right? Because, because reasons, <laughs> I wondered right? About that one. Because reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and so he he grabs this med implant, which. Uh, let's just call it a USB key. He fires it up, and oh, it's it's a map back to Polis Massa. So there, away we go. Yeah. And the uh, Vader gets there, and he's looking for, for more answers. And the Amidalans confront him there, and they bring a little squad of N1 starfighters, uh, some ARC-170s, a couple of blimp-looking things, and yeah. they, they just want to annihilate Vader. Predictably, it goes very badly for them. <laughs> like really badly and I, yeah at, at the end of it i'm like wait i finished the issue i'm like is that it like is sabe dead nathan is sabe dead i uh, you know what i forgot to check uh, <laughs> but it, it, now you've mentioned it maybe yeah i didn't even think about that but you're right like i mean he annihilated their fleet so, duh. And like there, there was a, a short ground battle, and it just like there's an, there's a panel where it just sort of it's dead bodies all around, and Z six seven's like, all right then, we're done. And I'm like, wait, go. I went back and looked at it. I was like, I can't tell which one Sabe is, but every like, like there's no allusion to anybody else being alive. And if she is alive, she's stranded because every ship's been destroyed. The station's dead. It's like, did did they just write out Sabe just like that? 
I, I think I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at the issue. I I think she's dead. <laughs> I think they, I think they want us to believe she's dead. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, there's a lot of bodies. Man, there's a lot of bodies. But you never really yeah. specifically see her get taken out. But it's it's no. I mean, there's like there's a woman front and center with a a hole through her chest, and yeah, I mean, but like again, I mean, it's comic art, so it's hard to tell exactly who's who, especially when they're wearing masks and helmets and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. There's but, the, uh, that that big centerfold, like double page spread kind of thing, and there is a woman who might be Sabe, like at the bottom of that. She's got a blaster hole in her back, or a lightsaber mm-hmm. hole, whatever you want to call it. She's toast. And there's, you know, in the background, there's starfighters being exploded all over the place. Like, it's... I feel like that can't be the end. Like, that would just be a really unceremonious way for her to go out with not even an acknowledgement of her death. So I feel like she's going to come back at some point in a surprise... Ta-da! I'm still here! Yeah, I mean, the, the way yeah. I'm looking at how this is structured now, I mean, that moment right before that splash, that, that spread, is the flashback of him choking Padme. And I feel like if if Pack had wanted, if Pack had intended to actually kill Sabe, he would have made it explicit and sort of did like a sort of a back and forth cut of him, of Anakin choking Padme and Vader choking Sabe. Like I feel like that's the natural way to go with that. Yeah, you could have yeah. played. You could have played on the whole like Vader trying to embrace his, his, the dark and like that's like the weak spot he's always had. And if yeah. you could, if you could take out Sabe, who were my, who he thought for a second was Padme in the first issue, mm-hmm. if he could if he could take her out, he it would make him feel like he had finally slayed that thing and he doesn't care anymore. But then right. he didn't do that. That's not part of the story at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, my I mean it it like you said, it definitely seems like he wants us to think that, but I don't think she is. And I don't I think remember, we're gonna see her later. I it's we got to, but man, I was just like at the end of reading the issue, I was like, no way, like I I would I thought we would have seen like more uproar about that on Twitter. That if if Sabe is because Sabe's got this prominent part going on in E. K. Johnston's little corner of Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, not that she's ever maybe never going to get to this point in the timeline, but I don't know. Just to have that character just sort of gone, like that that would be more egregious than the way Akbar went out. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. at least we saw it happen. This is like, yeah, Sabe is Sabe is more important than Akbar. I will say that now. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll agree with you. Yeah, I feel like it's left sort of purposely ambiguous it's like well if we decide we want to come back we can say well you never saw her die but at the same time we can say you know plausible deniability essentially yeah that would be a very comic book thing i suppose yeah well uh, but, Kenobi, uh, kenobi's name i think that uh i think that uh implant was a will to live ometer oh oh a very small one right yeah. yeah. Oh. Still, still the weirdest thing. Oh, it stings. I mean, in fairy tale terms, it makes sense, I guess, to have that kind of like 
flowery, oh, she just lost the will to live, but boy, oh boy, it doesn't hold up, does it? <laughs> Not yeah, to, I don't well, want to go down I mean, that path. I mean, I think he was, I think what happened there is that Lucas was trying to avoid sort of like uh, being explicit with Anakin being having killed her. Like, I don't think he wanted to outright say, yeah, Anakin killed her. Like, he choked her and she's dead. I think it was like, I don't know, how do you redeem him then? You know, I think it, the path to redemption becomes even narrower at that point. So I think he was trying to put as much situation or as uh, much um, distance uh, between Anakin and Padme's death as he possibly could, given the situation. Uh, while still making it his fault. <laughs> right. But that's besides the point. Anyway, back to the comic. <laughs> well, Kenobi's name came up a couple times in the issue. And like the way the pages are actually physically laid out, there's there's one, the one at least in print, you you both read digitally, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess it would, yeah. well, it would have played out the same way. So there's that one scene where Vader and Z67 are watching. There's, they're on Polos Massa before the Amidalans arrive. They're watching that hollow of Padme giving birth and, and she's talking to Obi-Wan and saying there's still good in him. And Zed67 says, oh, there's that name again, Kenobi. He must have been very important to her. And I knew, <laughs> I'm like, I know what happens. I'm going to turn the page yeah. and Zed is going to be in pieces. And sure enough, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. turn the page and he's just like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Chops him in half and Zed67 is like, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty rad little scene yeah my my the voice in my head i had for him was seth green the toto voice yeah it's a yeah it's a good one. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like he yeah he's done i i, I like zed six seven he was a cool droid he was super chatty i'm surprised he lasted so long yeah i suppose his big mouth. Just got, because got I'm surprised Vader didn't like annihilate him sooner. Yeah, you're probably right. Like, well, he's, he did, Vader, he... do, Vader doesn't like wiping droids' memories. True, it's a bad habit he has. It always has since he was a kid. But they're, no. they're, it's not the first time. <laughs> it's not the first time Z six seven has said something. I was like, ooh, right? <laughs> he's gonna chop you, and it caught up to him. So pour one out for always, Z67. Yeah, he always said things at the most inopportune times. And so that's why I was surprised he lasted this long. But yeah, what, once he said he must have been very important to her, I was like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> so, I mean, really, that's it. I mean, this arc, like, did this arc deliver? Like, I, I thought it was a good arc. I don't, I'm not knocking it at all i'd give it a good grade if i knew what scale to go on but like you know with all the returning characters and all the ties to the prequels like this arc was billed as vader's gonna punish everybody who made luke weak in his eyes and from my point of view he didn't punish anybody and yeah. this, it feels like this arc is over and as cool as it was like to me it totally didn't deliver on what it said it was going to do and i don't know if that was an intentional left turn because they're really like, coming into the arc, one of the questions I had was, well, who is he going to take his anger out on? There's nobody. Yeah, I mean, from the beginning, it felt like an impossible task, like, <laughs> to deliver on what they had 
set the premise to be. Yeah, I don't know if that was like an exercise in getting us to get into Vader's headspace. But it, to me, it, like it totally didn't deliver on what it said it was going to do as an arc. Like, what what did Vader learn through all this? Like, mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, informationally, I don't think he learned much. But I think he was pushed toward the light um, by Padme having said there's still good in him hearing that because those three panels where it shows Vader falling down yeah. the big shaft mm-hmm. and then Padawan Anakin falling down and then little Annie falling down mm-hmm. like that is some powerful imagery and before that it just shows Vader like in this big room and then the three like in his mindscape going backwards in time, seeing himself falling. And I feel like that speaks to how much Padme saying there's still good in him is affecting him. Yeah. Yeah. That first panel is him looking down at Luke on Bespin as Luke falls. And then instead of seeing Luke falling, he sees himself and then he sees himself as a Padme. Exactly like you said. Padawan, then young Annie falling down the hole. And I think you're right. Like, that's... It's those words of Padme and him seeing her in that video. It, it got to him. It definitely got to him. So that like that little spark of light within him that was seemingly always there, it's, it's, it's definitely still alive. Definitely. So what, what do you think... Pack is trying to say exactly with that, like the, what I got from it, and and you guys may have interpreted it differently, but I think he's what Vader is seeing is like, because again, like it, it's based on Luke falling. Um, but like, do you think it's him looking back and seeing that, like, like how did I get here, like, <laughs> like? nine-year-old me wouldn't have joined me either 19-year-old me wouldn't have joined me either so what happened why did 21-year-old me you know fall into this like Mm, yeah it's a good question that's 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 my interpretation but again like you know it's 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 somewhat abstract and i think i think you know no matter what pack is exactly trying to say there with that you know, I think we all get the 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 important general idea of it, but I, I, I was like looking at and wondering about you know what specific thing the author is trying to say. But one thing he was very yeah. careful with is when they when they light up that midwife droid, and you know, she's mm. badly damaged, but at least one part of her memory bank appears to be functional. He turns it on, and it's it's at the moment where Padme dies, where she tells Obi-Wan that Anakin still has good in him. So there, he was, Greg, Greg Pack was, I think, very ex- careful, and he's showing that in, saying, in, in literally saying that the droid's memory banks are damaged. He's making sure that we know that Vader had no chance to even see Leia being born. Yeah. yeah. And this is the second time 
that Vader has gotten super close to finding out about Leia. <laughs> yeah, and the, the coroner. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and he didn't find out about her. So it's like, man, she she's lucky. Real lucky. The force I mean, in and the first ways. time was Aphra's fault. The first time was Aphra's fault. Yeah. She because wasn't, she wasn't thorough enough. <laughs> right. She just told the mortician what she already knew and didn't even give him a chance to yeah. talk. So this it seems like this is the end of this arc, at least for now. And the last couple of pages is Vader returning to visit the Emperor on Coruscant. And Palps knows that Vader's failed. And it just seems like he's... Palpatine's ready to punish Vader. And he starts giving him sort of like the Force Lightning barbecue bath. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw some some previews of Darth Vader issue six, which is coming out in October, and that's that's the panels that they showed us with, uh, of Palpatine roasting Vader with Force mm-hmm. Lightning. And so the, the I guess the whole idea is Palpatine kind of senses this spark in Anakin coming back, which we've seen alluded to in some of the uh, sequel trilogy materials, right? Where yeah, Vader uh, Palpatine knew that Vader was probably going to betray him and this mm. and so he's trying to cook it out of him i wonder <laughs> if your feelings on this are clear you know exactly he knows he knows that vader is is faltering here so i don't know where the where the arc goes next but i'm looking forward to it because greg pack's done a real good job again we can talk about the validity of of this arc sort of uh following through on its promise or if that was sort of a misdirect but I think it was it was a really good quality arc. I'm I'm happy with the way it turned out. Yeah. 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 I'd say probably in the end unnecessary. Lots of fan service, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> for, for sure, absolutely. Uh, okay. Things don't always have to be necessary to be fun. Well, especially in a comic book series, right? Like we. Yeah. We talk about sort of like the hierarchy of Star Wars importance, and it all counts, but the comics are the place where you get to go and have some fun yeah. and, and fill in the cracks and maybe do a bit, a bit of silly fan service. And especially with all the flashbacks to like exact scenes from the prequels, like it gets you every mm. time and it's pure fan service and it, and it works. Yeah. A stinking loved it. Yep. A hundred percent. All right. So let's move into star Wars issue six, the flagship title. I, Guys, I thought this was a fantastic issue for me. Like, oh man, I thought this is one of the best issues that I've read in a while. Like, maybe since Soul's Vader run, which of course this is this is Soul back at it again. But I thought this yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I was I was man, I was hanging on, and those issues were like. Okay, where are we going? Where are we? And I was having trouble staying interested. But man, this is like <laughs> this issue. There's some payoffs. Oh, okay. Here we go. All right, buckle in. Souls up to his old, you know, nonsense again. <laughs> yeah, no. This this is a really great issue. Things are getting weird. We got seemingly haunted nonsense. Oh, oh yeah. This... Good old Soul Star Wars. Oh yeah. That this... blew my mind. And, and who knew R2 has also a defibrillator. <laughs> he's, a, he's a rolling defibrillator. There's yep. 
Coming out of issue five, Luke is sort of drowning in a trap set by Verla, who, of course, we met in the previous Vader run. And she's much older here and much more jaded. And she had set a trap Mm -hmm. for Luke. And, you know, R2 saves Luke, zaps him back into consciousness with his little lightning rod. Um, And that was cool. But one of the cool, I think the thing I enjoyed the most about this issue, which kind of washes over you in a way that you don't see it happening until it's happening is that Luke and Luke is talking to Verla and she's encouraging Luke. She's like, you don't want to be a Jedi. You don't want any part of this. This I, Trust me, this is going to be awful for you. Just disconnect from the force, get off mm-hmm. the Jedi path, stop being a pawn of the force, whatever destiny it wants for you. You have the power to say no, just walk away. And obviously Luke rejects that at this point in time, but Talk about instilling instilling a sense of like foreshadowing and calling forward yeah. to what we see in the Last Jedi, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I thought that was brilliant. Yep. And if oh man, like if you ever wondered about what Charles Soule thought about Luke in the Last Jedi, he pays it full respect here by baking mm-hmm. it into his own storyline, including cooking fish. Mm-hmm. The whole <laughs> I love that. That was so funny. That's a great little touch. I don't know how to catch a fish. Grew up in a desert. Yeah. And know. here he is. And like you know, Love sand. <laughs> like Luke has no idea how to cook catch or cook fish, but Cal- go forward to The Last Jedi and he's doing both. Like I thought that yep. was really clever and poignant of, of Soul. I love that. Yeah. It's yeah. great. And then of but, course and, and like you said, like Verla showing up, like it, it's like it. Soul does this thing where he'll introduce a character and then like you can't possibly imagine where that character would mm-hmm. ever show up again. Like like Moment, like it was just a mask and like yeah, it was creepy and stuff in Lando, but like yeah, we'll probably never see that again. And then oh, Darth Vader. That's you know what the whole thing is about pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's genius. And it, well, you had to know what was coming next, right? or uh, we should have seen this coming. Just the ties into the High Republic. Oh yeah, Luke wants yeah. a lightsaber, right? Mm-hmm. Luke wants a lightsaber to replace the one he lost on Bespin, and he kept telling her like, "You're supposed to help me with this," and she's like, "Okay, fine, I'll tell you where to get one." And she directs him off to a High Republic era Jedi temple place, and he he Luke ships off there, accesses the temple. Gets himself a saber, but it triggers a bit of an Indiana Jones-style trap, which launches a ghost of... Where has he been? The Grand Inquisitor! That was wild. Like... That was so what? cool. What? Like, well, it what? brings up lots of questions, right? Like... Mm-hmm. You don't... Like, how do Darksiders come back like this? Well, I mean, I think... I mean, it was the first, the very first thing I thought was, you know, as soon as Luke walks in, we see the holochrome, which seems like it was probably bait. But we also see Jedi Temple guard armor. Yeah. And I think that's what the Inquisitors is hunting. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's real interesting stuff, too, because you, the, there's three side by side panels as Luke approaches the the lightsaber he get he steps closer to it like he sees it you got and the lighting is normal he steps closer the background dims he picks it mm-hmm. up the background goes black which is very much imagery from when ray picks up the saber 
and she has that force vision. And mm-hmm. so the the next page, the, the background is all black and you have the, the Grand Inquisitor flaming on fire as if he had fallen into that Star Destroyer reactor core. So I this has got to be some sort of like force vision that Luke's having as opposed to like a real actual... Oh man, I didn't even make that connection as to why he was on fire. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, it, it didn't hit me at first either. I'm like, why is this happening? But it, I don't know if, if Vader, I, I don't, it's it's weird to me because as far as we know, Sith Darksiders don't really know about the afterlife in this way. So I don't know, he must yeah, have, I don't but, know, he captured his essence somehow. But it makes sense because it's a sort of hell, right? Like he's reliving, like he's in a constant state of the way he died. Like he's, I mean, He's on fire, so he's probably suffering constantly, continually. Yeah, he's on fire. He's always burning. There are some things worse than death. Yeah, having to live your death for the rest of time. <laughs> yeah, and there's a there's like a two page spread with this of this fight, this force vision fight between Luke and the Grand Inquisitor, and I love that line of there are things worse than death. It is a direct callback to rebels. Mm-hmm. Just right. He says that to Kanan right before he falls into the pit. It's Charles soul did his homework. Yeah. Like he's paying attention yeah. to all of it. Yeah. But if it was some sort of force vision, how was Vader able to talk with him? Yeah. I don't know how that all the pieces come together. I don't know if it is a force vision. It's, it seems to follow the same sort of imagery that, like when Ray picks up the saber. Right. But yeah. Then like, but the, you're right. Like if it's a vision, like the grand inquisitor seems to be like very present and with it. And, and it's obviously a trap, you know, the, the Vader kind of intended for this to happen in some sort of way. Cause when, when Luke picks up the saber, like it's simultaneously like Vader senses it. He's like, Oh, my trap on uh, Tempe's the planet. Mm hmm. He's like, oh Tempest my! Tempest is the way I I was pronouncing. Tempest, it. yeah, yeah, Te- yeah. Tempest. Oh, great! Like my trap's been triggered. Let's go see what I caught. So it's Vader put it there, but it plays out like a Force vision, although it can't be because it seems to have a, a very present mind type of 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 presence. So I don't know. I don't know what's yeah. going on here. This is another mysteries of the Force kind of thing. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking it was it was there were several possibilities. It was maybe when um, maybe when the the inquisitors uh, betrayed the Jedi, they were required to sort of pledge themselves in some way uh, to service even beyond death or something like that. I mean, that's possible, or it could be some kind of Sith alchemy or. Hell, it could be night sister magic yeah. that Palpatine and Vader use to to bind these, or it could be something Vader learned by Vader and Palpatine learned by studying Moment's helmet. I mean, you know, obviously the Emperor kept it and in in a place of somewhat prominence on his yacht. So maybe they were studying this in their quest for immortality, and you know. Obviously, we know that Momin was bound to his helmet, haunted, haunting it somehow. So maybe yeah. they figured out how to do that. And 
bound the Grand Inquisitor to that armor. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That holds, and that's that's pure Charles Soul. Yeah, tying <laughs> it back. Like, oh look, we <laughs> saw that this is possible, so now we're going to figure out how to do it. And look, we did it. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's there's that kind of like really pitiful scene too, where Vader arrives on Tempest and he's talking to the Inquisitor, who who's still there, for what that's worth. He hasn't vanished. He's so maybe that makes him more of a real thing than a Force vision. Mm. Um, and he, Vader just says to him, "You failed." And there, here's this poor guy still on fire. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was so strong." Can I go now? <laughs> no, no. And there's that like. You almost feel bad for the Grand Inquisitor. And he just, and again, yeah. he, and he says those words, there are worse things than death. And he just sort of fades out, kind of. Yeah. It was, it was chilling. It was really cool stuff. But that's what makes me think in Rebels that, you know, whatever happened, the, he knew that that was his fate. You know, I, that's why he says that, because he knows this is what's going to happen to him. He knows he's not getting out of this. Like death is not a way out for him. And it's... he try as he may, right? Yeah. He tried to incinerate himself and it still wasn't good enough to, to get him away from, from Vader and the emperor. Yeah. And, and also remember where does that happen? It's right above Mustafar. Yeah. Right above yeah. Vader's playhouse. The star, star Destroyer. Tarkin's the Star Destroyer right above Mustafar. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> lots of spooky stuff going down there on Mustafar. That's <laughs> true. It's definitely so, true. And and one of the questions we had coming into this volume, not not just this issue, but this entire volume was, is Luke going to get himself a saber? Like, he's saberless going into it. We know at some point he's going to get the green, but... What about an, like is there an interim solution? So now he's got himself an Inquisitor style yellow bladed lightsaber. Like raise your hand if you saw that coming. Like my hand, is, <laughs> my hand is down. Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't I won't say I saw it coming, but I wasn't surprised after seeing the uh, the Imper the uh, Jedi Temple Guard there. Right. The armor. But, I mean, uh, we saw the cover art for this like weeks weeks ago, so we knew that. Well, yeah, <laughs> a yellow blade. But sometimes the cover is not entirely indicative of what you're going to get. But Luke's well, especially when a book's saber. been delayed this much. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Which and now seeing how much High Republic stuff was in this issue, I kind of wonder if that's the actual reason that they pushed High Republic back, like. Are are some of the delayed comics that we're going to be getting in the next couple months going to be have more of that High Republic tie-in that they wanted to get in there before they actually launched High Republic? You know, good on them. Like if that's the reason, and they they wanted to seed this material properly and let it play out in the comics as they had originally planned. Yeah, good on them for not saying too bad. We have this initiative. We have dates. We got publishers and and deadlines. Absolutely. Deal with the right. mess, guys. Like, I, I would be very happy if, if they said, no, we're going to play this out with this vision that we've had. I, I'd love that. Yep. Yep. So now we get to talk about what happens to this yellow saber. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going to happen to it. It, it seems like he, maybe he could have kept it for Leia, but that didn't happen. Does he put it back where he found it? Is, is, 
does he lose this one in a similar way? I don't know. Mm. I mean, time Ray will tell. has Luke's notes. Yeah, he does. Yeah, she does. Is, oh, that's a great. Could the, yeah. is that crystal in Ray's saber? Ilum done blown up. Mm. <laughs> she gotta get it somewhere. <laughs> you feel like Ray would would have somehow gotten her own, but. It also very make, much makes sense for her to to kind of pay tribute to Luke in that way to have the saber that Luke got his hands on. Yeah, well, and not only that, it's, you know, if it is a temple guard, if it does turn out that it is a temple guard saber, and it kind of looks like it might be, yeah, given the circumstance in which Luke finds it, then that gives credence to those fan theories that that's why she has a yellow saber. It's because she's a guardian of the order. Yeah. But also, if it is actually a relic of the High Republic, then in theory, she has a lightsaber that goes back to before the Jedi were corrupted, which is also uh, thematically kind of cool. Yep, absolutely. I like that. uh, I like that a lot. That makes a lot of sense. Um. Cool, man. I think that brings us all to the end. But this this was a you know another real good arc. It it's this it's wrapped up with you know Luke rendezvousing with Leia and the rest of the Rebel fleet. They're all down the dumps, and Leia says, oh, "Luke, can you can you show them what you've got? Like th- these guys could use a pick me up." And Jedi being a symbol of hope, he ignites the saber. He's, he's holding it up in the air. And a, a, a few smiles crack. You got Shara Bay and Kest Amran there, and. Lando and 3PO and all kinds of people just and all to see sorts a of aliens. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that that Nia Numb? Somebody who looks like uh, is that Addie Gallia? I mean, it looks like her. It's not yeah, Thalothian. Uh, <laughs> long neck dude, Quermian. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I love it. And then maybe Akbar or some other Akbarian. Mon- <laughs> you know better sir i do i do (laughs) and so this is um you know we're heading into a new arc which is going to for sure tie into the high republic and two new arcs (laughs) yeah we're getting two new arcs i wouldn't be surprised if both hinted at the high republic in big ways especially the, the the main title being written by soul i think that the arc is called operation starlight which is a big, you know, just if that's a dead giveaway, you know, yeah. that's, that's going to, this is going to overlap with uh, the high Republic stuff, which comes out in just three and a half, four months time. Yeah. So for sure that's going to happen. Well, and it seems like Vader's going to Exegol. It seems to be, um, yeah, the breadcrumbs are laying. So maybe we'll get some Exegol tie in to high Republic. Is that, bre- is that breadcrumb out there? I hadn't seen that. Well, if you remember, the, Pax did say Pax did say that he, uh, I think it was at, um, where was that? Was that at, uh, oh, it was the publishing, the San Diego online publishing panel, where he said that uh, the next arc was going to tie in heavily with Rise of Skywalker. Right. And uh, also, I mean, we do have that cover art coming up with, the, the eye of Webbish bug yeah the oracle as 
we knew her in the uh, in the leaks. Ah, we did manage to talk to about her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, we got that that cover, which is very interesting. And obviously, you know, she's uh, the keeper of the wayfinder and and all that stuff. I am. I am. So. I'm looking forward to that. Like, we needed this stuff. Like this, this connective material to bring us through and into Rise of Skywalker. We needed. We need this stuff. It, it's, yeah, but we needed this before now. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's you know that's that's a valid point. Yeah, I mean we could have used that a long time ago. Yeah, it would have been helpful. But, uh, I mean, I'm glad we're getting but, it. <laughs> really, I'm just glad yeah. we're getting it. Yeah, and I mean it's not all their fault. I mean, the, you know, these books were supposed to come out months ago, so. Awesome. Um, well, that's going to do it for this week. Man, that that flew by again super fast, but we had some great content to talk about this week. It was very easy to go almost two hours. <laughs> very, very easy. Yeah, always yeah. is. Always is. Absolutely. Um, Tangents at Central here. <laughs> we, we didn't even do that bad with Tangents this week. We were pretty, pretty on point, I thought. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. So if you guys want to be part of the podcast, you can send us your questions, as always, to tumblingsaber at gmail.com. Uh, there's a variety of other ways you can help with the podcast, which would be great. Uh, first of all, make sure you're subscribed, share it with your friends, leave us a review, and then check us out on Patreon where you can get all kinds of extra audio content every month. And we've got some new $1 and $3 tiers, so it's super easy to get all of our audio content uh, than it ever has been. So check that out. That's at patreon.com slash tumblingsaber. And we want to give a shout out to Rob Wade over at Emotionally14.com for endorsing this podcast and all episodes of Tumbling Saber as part of the E14 Endorse program, which you can learn more about at Emotionally1414.com. And so with all that out of the way, everybody, Marie, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Alia Morgan. You can find my Star Wars review blog at thestarwarsreview.blogspot.com. And you can find my LGBTQ Star Wars YouTube channel at Afro's Artifacts. Go check that out. Go support Marie. Do it. Hit that subscribe button. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> yeah, you, you, got, you got to practice that. You got to you got to find all the clickbaiters who get way too many more views than they deserve, and see how they how they ask yeah. you to smash that subscribe button. Punch that like <laughs> button in the throat. <laughs> uh, Nathan, where are you at? Uh, I'm at NAF Roberts on Twitter. Cool. Uh, I am at Tumbling Saber on Twitter and Instagram and also hanging out, talking Star Wars in our closed Facebook group. So you're all invited. Anybody who's listening, come check it out. We are open for business on Facebook and it's a lot of fun in there. Talking Star Wars and beyond all week long. Lots of great guys from among our fandom and it's it's a, it's a blast in there. So check it out. Uh, otherwise, you might hear us again this week. We're going to try and get together again and me and Nathan are going to try and make fools of ourselves. <laughs> Marie, oh boy! We're going to have Marie back, and she's going to—we're going to. She's going to laugh at us as we stumble our way through the Dragon Con written questionnaire. And I've been oh, looking forward man. to this because it's going to be a lot of fun to go into these super granular questions and see what kind of mess <laughs> we can make. So I, I'm looking forward oh. to that if we can set it up and make it work, which I think hopefully we can. But we'll see. 
that's coming to our patrons later this week. So one more and reason Rick, to check I'm out. telling you right now. Right now, Rick. Shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, guys. That is it. Hope you had fun listening. We had fun recording. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. And until then, everybody, may the force be with you. Bye. Bye-bye. Static draws me closer to your place Willing me through my dreams fall away Signs blindly to the lines on your face Beating strong Drifting Now relive this dream Over And over And over Again Please don't leave my heart broken Bleeding Don't believe it Please don't leave my heart broken
Are you running away?